What's going on, everybody? This is Dr. Mario Sacasa. Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. So grateful to have you joining me today for another amazing show. Okay, so, so often we hear about how technology and social media is ruining our society. And while, you know what, that actually may be a true statement, it doesn't mean that there aren't still goods that can be derived from these platforms and these medias and these new technologies. So what can we use, or how can we use, rather, the good that comes from these technologies to improve evangelization and communication for the church? What can social media marketing tools teach us about how to effectively communicate and promote the gospel in the 21st century? So that is the focus for today's episode. And joining me today is Jason Jensen, CEO of Glass Canvas and the company behind the new Tilma Parish digital platform. We have an in-depth conversation about the importance of good branding and marketing messaging for parishes and for ministries, and how the church competes in the modern marketplace for people's attention and their hearts and their minds and their, their thoughts, how technology can effectively aid the church in her evangelization and relationship building efforts. And then we get into some real world uses of the Tilma Parish platform and how it can help a parish or ministry specifically. So it's another great show that I hope really just, you know, the show's about hope and we're trying to find solutions to problems. And so, so how do we improve, you know, the, what's going on in, in modern parish life? How can we, how can we make things a little bit better? That's always what we're trying to do with this show. And so I hope that you enjoyed this episode. When it is done, please offer your thoughts on Instagram or on Facebook at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Always look forward to receiving those comments there. And let's get into this. Jason Jensen, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. It's awesome to have another Canadian. I think you're my second Canadian that I've interviewed on the show. So I'm grateful to to have other people coming from the great north all the way up. And I mean, coming from New Orleans, it's just, I, I don't even know how to relate to what's going on in Vancouver, but uh, I'm sure awesome things are happening. So how are you doing? What's going on in Vancouver? You know, introduce yourself to the audience a little bit. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of a company called Glass Canvas, and we've been around for nine years. And what's exciting about what's going on in Vancouver right now is uh, we are working with the Archdiocese to kind of figure out a, a model of ministry for the future. And yeah. it's really exciting. We've got a lot of great people um, trying to uh, put our best minds and hearts together to, to figure out what that looks like. And yeah, and then we're caught up in sort of the, hopefully the tail end of a pandemic where we can't go to mass. Um, thankfully, we're still able to receive Holy Communion, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. You're watching on mass and then you can drive up and, and receive and, um, you know, it's, it's problematic. This whole thing is messed up, but uh, I think there's a lot of hope, you know, as I see the sunshine today, if you can imagine, I'm, I'm sitting here, it's blue skies and uh, it feels like spring is upon us in a lot mm. of ways. Mm. Amen. Yeah. It's been a long year for all of us. And my, my, I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually, I, I took my, my sons to go get baseball equipment and I have four boys and the, the middle two are, are starting to play baseball this year. And it's been like a year since like my kids have done any sort of activity or have had to like go buy basketball shoes or football cleats or soccer shin guards or whatever. And so now we're back into this for the first time having to go get new gear for the upcoming season. And it just, it's, crazy to think it's been a whole year since we've actually done anything other than zoom conferencing or 
watching Netflix. I mean, we've had a great time. Don't get me wrong. I've talked about, you know, I, the the pandemic by and large for us has, has, has been a blessing kind of reconnecting and being together. Um, but it really is just amazing to think about like, okay, here we are. Like you said, the springtime, there's new opportunities. There's things that, that we learned in ways that we've adjusted and how we do things. And so how much of that is stuff that we're going to be adapting and bringing with us kind of moving forward into this new future. And so it seems like you guys are really thinking about this in a very particular way, uh, when it comes to Tilma and, uh, and the work you're doing there. So, um, I just wanted to launch into this. You know, I think what it, I'll give you a second here just to kind of explain that what, what Tilma is to the audience, and then we can kind of get into broader conversations about ministry models and and uh, evangelization, all that fun stuff. But I, I I think what I've appreciated so far, just looking at the website and in reading about what you guys are doing, is that you're trying to rethink. If I'm understanding this correctly, um, they were taking a complicated system like a parish, okay, which has so many moving parts and pieces and People come through the door. You have the pastor, the, the parochial vicar, you have a staff, you have uh, people who come to Sunday, people who are donating, people who just need to get one one off assistance, people who are involved in this program but aren't really going to church and trying to assimilate and, and, and collate, I should say, all these various pieces of communication and trying to offer something that can help people kind of make some coherent sense of all this and kind of streamline all these different modes of, of if points of interaction with, uh, with, with, within the parish, which is really just amazing because when I, I've worked for a couple of dioceses in different parishes, in addition to my own private counseling work and now with Willwoods, but I was working for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. There was a gentleman who worked in the religious education office who, uh, who had one of the greatest lines I've ever heard of somebody who works in the diocese. He says of all the lines of scripture, that a diocesan office takes to heart. It's when Jesus says, do not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. <laughs> he said, that's the one we take the most seriously here in the diocese. And so, so I, I, isn't that hilarious? So, so I just think the idea of trying to solve this, this problem to some degree of, of streamlining communication using technology for what it's meant to be used in, in terms of an appropriate sense, uh, to, to bring about some, some helpful kind of ways of, 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 of communication, of, of dialogue, of integration. Um, I, I just think it's, it's remarkable. So I just want to start with that. Um, so am I right? And, you know, tell me about Tilma, tell us about Tilma. Am, am, am I seeing this right? Or what, what are, what are your thoughts here with, with everything that I've been saying so far? Yeah, uh, uh, the practical sense of it, it's a giving tool, a people database, an email tool, events and registration, a website and content kind of baked into it. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're absolutely right in that at the heart of it, it's not about just, you know, having uh, tools, it's streamlining tools in order for an end, you know, mm -hmm. and what's that end? I think that um, you say not knowing what, you know, the left hand, not knowing <laughs> what the right hand is doing. It's so true. It's like, we don't know people. And I feel like at the heart of a parish, at the heart of attractive parishes are sets of deep and meaningful relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's a couple studies that just came out recently, like, um, uh, man, I'm gonna, I, can't, I can't remember, two of the big research people. Um, yeah, you're fine. But it was like, uh, Kara. Yeah, Kara was yeah. one of them. And um, I can't remember the other one, but basically... For the first time, 50%, we've dropped below 50% of the U.S. population have a re religious affiliation. Mm -hmm. And in the last 20 years, roughly 20% of church membership 
we've lost 20% of church membership. Mm-hmm. And the question has to be like, what is going on? Why, why is this happening? And I think what's at the heart of the solution is, is deep and meaningful relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why um, people don't leave when they feel connected, when they feel like they belong, they feel like all those kinds of things. And one of the things that we need to do better is understand who people are, where they're at and figure out how to connect and communicate. And, you know, um, I want to, I'll say markets, but it's so much more than, more than that. It's that staying in like a meaningful relationship with them. One example of this is like, man, Gap sends me an email on my birthday. And <laughs> they'll give you a discount on for for your birthday. Yeah, yeah but I, but, I, I but they, after my money, you know, like, but I still feel good about it. You yeah, know, of course, like it's like they they do some, they like exactly yeah. And you're like, what? I don't remember giving them my birthday. Like, how did you know? There's a surprise yeah. and some delight in there, and like, yeah, we're getting used to that, and um, and we still know that they're after our wallet, but somebody put the effort in, mm-hmm. and somebody said, oh, this. You know, if we can stay in a good relationship with this, and it's transactional, um, but what is the church calling us to be in relationship with people ongoing on? And um, what we have is like the deepest, most powerful thing, um, and it's person, it's mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus, and that animating the relationship that we have with other people. And yeah. if that's done well, that's great. So the whole tool that we've done is trying to figure out how to do that in the very best way possible and give the tools to people who want to do that. Well, you know, so what you're speaking about here with put the gap in terms of relationship and how they know your birthday and send you an email and like, even though you know that like the 25% of coupon that you get means that you're going to spend more money at the gap and it's transactional still, like it feels good to know that like, Hey, the gap, the gap cared enough to put that into a, a database for that automatic email to be sent out. Like, like it feels nice to actually know that, that I got that. Um, and, and I think that like for me, I would say in, over the last couple of years, I feel like I've gotten like a crash course in, in social media marketing since I started this podcast back in 2018. And I wasn't on Facebook before, I wasn't on Instagram before, but since I've been on all of those things and really dived into what social media's usage is and really what marketing's intention is, like I used to be turned off by marketing. I used to think that marketing was really just about commercials and sales and having a bottom line and raising raising your profits. Which on one hand, sure, yeah, if you're in a, a company who needs to make money, well, you need to make have sales to make sure that those doors stay open. So inherently, that's not a negative thing. But if, but really what marketing is about and branding is really about communication. It's really about uh, relationship. It's about having uh, a clear message that gets communicated that your product or your service or your company gets aligned with. Um, and I think that when we look at it first in that lens, we say, oh, okay, it's about knowing how to be clear with what it is that you offer. And if you're clear with what it is that you offer, then you can have a, you, you're the one who's in charge of the communication of the, of the, of the, of the dialogue. It's like, you can't expect your constituents to, if they're, if you're confused, they're going to be confused and you can't expect them to figure out what you're doing or what you're not doing um, if you don't even know what you're doing or what you're not doing. And so being able to to have clarity and message and a clarity of an image, uh, which is really what a brand is then, um, is, is really a, about that. It's about how to foster relationships with people on a mass scale. And I thought about that over the last couple of years as I've gotten into like the social media stuff with the podcast and things. And I'm like, man... Like that's really cool when you think of it that way. You know, it's not just usury in that sense. And when you think of it in that sense, it's like, well, then the church has 
a duty to respond because you know, talk about the last 20 years, people, you know, leaving the church in the mass exodus. And I'm not sure if it was the CARA study, but there's been other studies. I know uh, the Pew Research, I think, is the one you've been talking about that follows this very, very closely Pew Research Institute. And they're the ones who put a lot of the, these, these, these studies out. And the problem, my estimation is this, is that the, the church is competing in a very crowded marketplace. And the, the marketplace is, is competing for those deeper answers. And yes, you're right. We have the answer. We have Jesus. We have the way, the truth, and the life. But it seems like that isn't enough anymore for people. <laughs> and it sounds crazy to say that. You don't have to dress up the gospel. The gospel is enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we need to sensationalize. I'm not one of these who are saying we have to come up with the next gimmick. Right? That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying that from a branding perspective, from a marketing perspective, if, if all you're doing with marketing is you're taking what already is and you're finding the right way of being able to communicate what you already are in a way that's, fr- that's, that's, that's clear so that people know what you're doing, then we need to rethink about some of the strategies and ways that that we're using and adopting some of this new language and in, in, in science and skills that is available to us because we are competing for people's attention. And, and, and that's what it comes down to. People are leaving because they think that movies have better answers uh, to the mysteries of life. That psychology, with respect, even as a therapist, I would say this, that psychology has a better answer to the questions of life. That science has better questions to the answers of life. Um, that I can make up uh, social relationships or other things, you know, and not need a parish community anymore to support me in my faith journey. That all these things seem trivial, seem uh, irrelevant now in our day and age. And I think that we have to recapture the imagination of people, uh, not to be salesy because we're not selling a product, but to be able to communicate more effectively that which already is. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bezos is, is quoted um, with this sort of famous marketing quote of your brand is not what you say about yourself, but what other people say about you when you're not in the room. And That's awesome. Unfortunately, in our culture, for you know, if we're just speaking the unspoken, it's most of our culture doesn't say the right things about the church. And there's probably really good reasons for that. And so we do need to find like ways to like overcome that. But when you talk about brand clarity and alignment, you're absolutely right. Great brands express great missions really well, you know? So, and I'm going to, I'm going to buy into that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we live in a, a world where that's critical. That's how, you know, the church is not communicating with like, yes, it's communicating with other ideologies for sure, but we're actually communicating with other brands. Like people are going to choose between Peloton and church, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Peloton. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Absolutely. And it's like, well, we're actually like, they're providing community. community. Yep. They're providing Wellness, um, instruction, wellness, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a betterment of my life, something that makes me feel good, something that's like non-judgmental and hopeful. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I, ultimately we know that those things aren't going to full, like fully fill what we're looking for. And I, but I think that they'll, they're still competing and, and the church doesn't seem like they would, you know, we're not messaging so that we say, yeah, we fulfill all these felt needs that you're experiencing either. And I think having a clarity of like, what is the mission? What is like the, the truest thing that we're doing? And we've been working on uh, helping 
you know, with the tool, within the tool is helping people go on a ministry journey because it's, we focus too much in the last era, you know, I don't know how long on the intellectual formation of people. And I think that Mm -hmm. makes sense when the rest of culture is supporting the human, emotional, all these other formations that we have, but we need to kind of come to a new ecology of mind, heart and hands. Mm -hmm. And so I think the future of the church is going to be in the experiences that we provide for people. And Mm. that that word in a marketing context can go, yeah, yeah, we're just going to like blow them out of the water with lights and music and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. The most powerful experiences are when somebody has been able to gently be moved into a space where they can open their heart and encounter the living God. Like there's no, there's no better experience ever in the history of the world. And some of that is emotional, you know? And I think as we, you know, I don't want to deny the, 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 the rich history of the saints and all that kind of stuff. Like as we move through that, it has to become more deep and meaningful And that I'm not using God for an emotional experience, but I'm actually diving deeper in relationship and willing to, you know, to do whatever he tells me. Right. Um, but it, it comes when I know and trust and, understand in the depths of my being that he is good and he's for me and that he's a, a loving father, you know, he's a, a brother and he's like, you know, you know, this Holy spirit that, um, that raises Christ from the dead. It's like, it, those things are amazing. And I just don't think we're creating enough pathways that actually orient the whole brand of the church as yeah. an organization towards that end. Well, I mean, a few things you've said that are just right on, um, First, just the power of a brand, you know, like how awesome is Nike? You know, when you think of like branding, like just do it. Like that slogan has like endeared for 30 something years because it just captures what, what they're all about in terms of like athletic exercise achievement. You have all these championship level, you know, athletes who are their, their brand uh, sponsors. And, you know, it's just like you're like everything about Nike says you want to excel in athletic work wear our product and and you're going to do it, you know, just because you're wearing our stuff. And you feel that, you know, I go to the Nike store and there's a, there's an outlet store close by where we live and that's where I take the boys and, and to get their clothes and stuff. And they f- freaking love it, you know, cause they, they're cool because they feel like they're, they're being connected to something larger. You know, they feel like they're closer to a LeBron James or a lineal Messi or whoever else, because they're wearing clothes that these guys sponsor. And so it, it is this, and, and it, and it's not that again. The church isn't trying to sell clothes. I get it. That's a, it's a it's a they they they. That's what Nike does. Is they sell they sell athletic uh, gear, whether it's clothes or shoes or whatever. But the church, like you said, offers something so much something so much more substantial. But the point that you made was 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 right on in terms of like Jeff Bezos and, and thinking about like it's not so much what you say about your brand, what other people say about your brand. And I think that's the problem that that we've encountered. Um, when I was a college student 20 something years ago, we had a religious brother, uh, a group of religious brothers, the brotherhood of hope was the the group that, that ran the campus ministry. And one of the brothers, brother, Sam, um, good, good, good man. And, uh, before he became a religious brother, he was, um, in advertising 
that's what he did in New York City. He was an art major in college and did advertising for a few years before he left all of that and uh, became um, a religious brother, which was great. But he always kind of had this like advertising bent when it came to like marketing the, the ministry and things that they were doing. And so he always he always had a savvy kind of look and feel for these things, even before all this stuff was kind of in vogue. This is in the late 90s or something now before everybody kind of had access to uh, to computer software that can do all these things for you or Tilmar or all the fun things that you guys are doing. But one of the things that he said, which which struck me all these years later is, is, is to your point, is he said, in advertising, the hardest group to market a product to is a group that has had, that has experienced your product and has hated it. So if if Pepsi comes up with Pepsi Max or whatever their new thing is, and they have a group that says, "Hey, you know, test this thing out, drink it," and Pepsi Max people drink it, and they're like, mm, "This thing's nasty." You know, I don't really like it. I don't know if Pepsi Max is nasty. I don't. I'm not saying it. This is completely hypothetical. So Pepsi, please don't sue me. You know, if, you, if anybody listens to this podcast, but I'm just saying that, like, when when if somebody tastes Pepsi and and they say, "I really don't like it," no matter how savvy the commercials are, no matter how awesome the message is, that person who tasted Pepsi and doesn't like it is going to say, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And, and so like those commercials don't work for me anymore because I've tasted it and I don't like it. And so we have people who, um, who have tasted what the church has given and have not been impressed with it. And, and maybe there's an element of course of competition again, back to this, that the competition has slandered the church. And there's some truth to that in terms of science being viewed as the new prophet, as opposed to the church really having a, a real authority. So that's one piece uh, that we can speak about. But then this is also where scandal plays a role into this. And when the church herself, through the scandals that have happened over the last, well, I don't know how many decades at this point, you know, we, we it all came out in 2002 and then even worse in 2018, but it's been going on for a while that we know, like all of this. It, for lack of a better way of saying it, it, it ruins the brand. I hate to say it like that, but because it does so much more, obviously, for people who have been affected by the scandals personally, it's so much more than just ruining the brand. But to the general public, what people talk about when they talk about the church is priests who are molesting kids, or when the general public talks about the church, they talk about you know how archaic it is or how behind the times it is or whatever it is. And so the brand gets marred um, because because of things that the church has done, but also in ways that it hasn't f- responded appropriately to the, the the issues and the needs um, of what's going on in a modern day. Um, so, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's hard not to just take a moment and and uh, weep. You know, like you know, for you're right. It, it's so much bigger than a brand. It's it's helpful to talk in these contexts because it's a defined field and, and things like that. But I hope our listeners don't write us off or like, hey, we're like marketers and we're trying to like rip you off. But yeah, the associations that people have with the church are, are tough, you know? Um, uh, we live in a day and age where like moral authority, um, there's, there's the... LGBTQ community is seen as more morally authoritative than the church. And it's, that's just a, um, a sign of the times that we live in. And I think that ultimately we need to figure out new forms and, you know, new forms and expressions. Like this is, you know, John Paul II has been talking about this. I think every Pope for the last six Popes have been kind of saying, Hey, we need a new vigor, a new, um, a new way to do these things. Um, because I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people are starting to say this, 
Christendom is over or mm-hmm. spotty or whatever it is. And what I mean by Christendom is not Christianity. It's that where the ruling principles are, or the, the ruling basis is built on the principles of Christianity. Like that is no longer true. And we need to like, but there's an excitement here too. So I don't want to like just move on from the, like the lament too quickly, but I believe that there is a new ministry model that is uh, being born. And, and I think that at the heart of that new ministry model is the right ordering of relationships according to the kingdom of God. And I think that is always how the gospel has been um, uh, proclaimed where the church has thrived. Mm-hmm. And so you think of like the relationship of the poor to, to culture, you know, like what is the right ordering of that in, you know, in the kingdom of God, you think about like, a husband and a wife, what is the right ordering of that relationship according to the kingdom of God? What is the right ordering of brothers, you know, men to men um, in in walking with each other and learning how to be vulnerable and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So I think at the heart of this new ministry model is a whole new approach and principles. And what we're trying to do with, you know, in ourselves and with others is saying, hey, we can see where the future is going. You know, like we can, like there's a guess that if I said, what's your confidence that church membership is all of a sudden just going to, you know, stay the same, you know, it's going to be the same or better in 20 years. I I have not met a lot of people who feel just super confident in that, you know, that the trend is going to reverse without significant things shifting. And I think this is that new, new ministry model that we have to come out and say, hey, where's the future going and how do we map what we're doing and how we're doing it against that? Um, and so we're trying, we're trying to do that with Tilma and figuring out, hey, um, catechesis, let's just pick one example. Uh, we don't have enough time with our kids to catechize them against the other brands that are trying to catechize them. Okay, so they're spending eight hours a day on social, maybe more. And what is the predominant message that they're hearing there is define your own meaning and there's no transcendent order. Um, and they are being almost like anti-catechized in the church by being catechized in uh, the culture to say, oh, the church has no answer for you. And we need to figure out ways to uh, or the answer that does have are, are old answers and they're not they're yeah. not fresh. They're not fresh anymore. Yeah. And they're going to make you work super hard. You know, right. like you are going to have to effort, you know, literally to all these rules, do all these things, have no fun. And that's it. Yeah. And it's, it's all a lie. It's all, it's all, you know, lie. It's all a lie. Um, right. However, I do want to have a disposition towards culture that is kind of like the paralytic friends who say, look, I can't get in the front door, but how do I bring my friend that is culture here? All these people that are in, you know, that we want to be in relationship with these souls. How do I find another way to like rip open the roof and like lower them down so that they can encounter Jesus and their sins can be forgiven and they can be healed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, honestly, I feel like that's exciting. You know? Yeah. I, I feel no, like- I'm with you. I'm with you. Absolutely. So- it is exciting because it, it, I'm not, I'm not critical of, 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 of culture in the sense that, that the crit or that their criticisms are un- 
based because many times they are. And we have to assume well-intentioned people trying things. Now, of course, where we're heading is 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 troublesome for sure. And we need to pull back a little bit. And maybe that's where you're saying earlier, you know, the way when you were talking earlier about like where we've been as a church over the last 25 years is that we spent a lot of time thinking in terms of getting answers and spending intellectual formation. And that's part of what, what has been needed. It's almost kind of like it needed to happen in the sense of like, Again, just kind of anchoring this conversation back in kind of strategy marketing and business stuff or whatever, thinking about like, okay, what's your product again? And so we have to spend time before you can market a product, you got to know what the product is. And so what does the church believe? What does the church actually have to say about X, Y, and Z? And so now that we know what the church does teach on these things, well, I mean, you can get a lot of great resources and there's obviously debate, always will be debate, you know, on some of these things. But by and large, we know kind of what the church teaches with some of these things. The question then becomes, well, how do we communicate this message in a way uh, that people can can hear it? Again, back to not selling people a lie. Bad marketing is that. Bad marketing is 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 sloganeering. Where only well, you you only care about a savvy a savvy slogan, a slaggy tagline to get people through the door just so they can buy whatever it is. Good branding is one that really connects what it, what already is, as we've kind of been talking about. And so, this is the opportunity I think that that we're facing now is being able to say, okay, how do we how do we communicate this message? that we know already exists. We know the power of the gospel. We don't have to dress up the gospel anymore. We don't have to sensationalize it. We don't have to come up with the next new thing. We just have to be able to re-articulate um, it in a way that is sensible to the modern ear. And that's exactly what John Paul II has been calling for. That's exactly what Pope Francis, I believe, is calling for. That's what the church is calling for, is being able to say, okay, how do we, how do we continue to because that's all evangelization is, is taking the context of the culture and saying, these are the questions, and this is still how the church answers that. And we have a lot of a lot of resources at our disposal um, that we can use and, and should use. Um, so, but you've been talking about, you've said a few times, a new market, a new model of ministry. That's what you've said, a new model of ministry. What do you mean by that? Tease that out for me. What What is it that you see as being a new model of ministry? Yeah, so we kind of see where the world is going and we're trying to map out how to interact with the world, not, you know, where it is today, but also like where it's going to, going to trend. And then thinking through what are the, you know, principles that surround that. So, um, one of the principles is operating under this thing I heard from father James Mallon, who wrote this divine renovation, um, book and he has this parish, you know, also up in Canada, um, <laughs> Uh, that, uh, that a lot of people are familiar with. And one of the concepts that's kind of coming from him is this idea of the church needs to operate on a belong, believe, behave principle. So uh, for, for worse, you know, when I was in youth ministry, I was operating under some, I don't know, some sort of assumption that I had to fix their behavior first hmm. in order for them to like, be in the youth ministry program. And I was like, oh shoot, like I don't have, I don't have all the resources where I do that, but I totally alienate, you know? And, um, and you know, young, uh, young, young Christian or baby in the faith. And you know, just a young man, it's like, those are, those are different, but mm-hmm. in a belong, believe, behave paradigm, it's exactly what Jesus did in the gospels. You think of the story of Zacchaeus and he goes, Hey, let's, eat together tonight in your home. Like that is a deep sign of longing in that culture where we're eating together and we're, you know, coming together. 
And then he said, and then he encounters Jesus. He comes to this idea of belief. He says, you know, he understands that this is the Christ. And then he goes, I'm going to give back, you know, like I'm going to adjust the behavior that I've been like reorienting and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that is the model of the gospel. I think it's true for the woman at the well too, who, you know, experiences belonging by just him asking her for a drink is a sign of like, Hey, we're belonging. And I think that there's so many meaningful interactions that, you know, Jesus has in that way with the people. And so that's one of the principles of that we're discerning and kind of working through with other people to say, yeah, this, this, this is the new model. So how does a parish since actualize that? Okay. So how does a parish, how does a parish communicate that in a way that does connect or, and invite people to, to really feel like they belong here? Like this is your parish home. We want you to, we want you to feel like you belong here with us, regardless of what you're doing. So before your behaviors are in check, because I think that that is the message. The message is that, well, you can't, if you're practicing sexual immorality, whether that's an irregular marriage or if you have a homosexual inclination, or if you're contracepting, there's no room for you here because the church only exists for those who behave in accordance. And um, and what you're proposing is saying is saying that we have to we have to engage in relationship first, and then in doing that, conversion happens. It's not that we want to encourage people to stay committing whatever these sins are. These are just sexual sins. We're speaking. We can talk about any any of them, but we want people to still feel connected to the parish to the church as a whole and to say, Hey, we want you to be, we want you to be part of this. And as you're part of this, as the relationship continues, the, 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 the answers as to why certain behaviors need to, need to be uh, matured or grown or stopped or whatever, you know, comes into greater clarity. Um, it's not the, not the other way where sometimes it's like, okay, you got to do all this first and, and then, you know, you can kind of come into the fold. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think, the first thing that pops into a lot of people's minds are like, yeah, but what about, can they receive the Eucharist? Yeah. Okay. My mind was already going there also before right. I even said it. So that's, that's exactly what went to my mind. It was like, oh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's okay. Um, but I think that comes from a perspective of that uh, parish life is mass. Mm-hmm. And mass is the source and summit of our faith. Mm-hmm. But we actually... That's the top of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And we're forgetting everything that's below that point also needs to be in place. So one example of belong, believe, behave in action would be like, hey, how, how are we actually integrating people who are curious about the faith into relationship with us where we build trust so that we can actually have these conversations about difficult things like my sexuality, which is such a lived reality within my body, right? right. Like, so... That is a, what I'm trying to say is that's a hyper charged topic, you know, mm-hmm. and it's useless until somebody encounters Jesus. Like, I mean, it, it's not completely useless, but, um, I'm never going to start with my friend's sins in leading them to Jesus. You know, like that's a, a heart in, in, in engagement of relationship issue when he trusts that I love him enough, uh, in order to bring that up. And so we need to think of our parishes as more than just mass. They are a community of faithful people. And there are other structures out there like Alpha is an amazing tool mm-hmm. to create community and trust and belonging without having to say, hey, you're either with us if you 
like go to mass or you're not. And we see this in the early church, like people weren't even allowed uh, the liturgy of um, the Eucharistic liturgy if you weren't uh, if you weren't baptized. Uh, and you know, and I don't know, I'm not a church historian, so I don't know all the details of that, but it's not a new idea. You know, I think right. I think that I think that's the truth of it. Is saying how do we show a a willingness and a compelling thing um, in order for people to engage in relationships first. And I think we need to have a broader view of what the parish is. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sacasa. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Jason Jensen. Hope you're enjoying the conversation. It's a good one so far. But I just want to encourage you to check us out at faithandmarriage.org. On our website, faithandmarriage.org, you can read past blog posts. You can catch up on all the episodes of the Always Hill podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have another episode with Father Josh Johnson, where we also talk about modern parish life and, and the challenges that are there. You can check out that episode on the website. But also with Father Josh, I'm doing a special marriage retreat in September for Black Catholic couples. It's something that Father Josh and I have spoken about for for some time now, and so we're happy to be able to offer that. So if you know any African-American couples that are interested, please come on our retreat in September. And if you're anybody who's a married couple and interested in coming on one of our retreats, you can find all of our retreats listed at faithandmarriage.org. So you can sign up for our retreats. We have all the 2021 retreats up there, and we are already starting to take uh, you know, uh, reservations for our 2022 retreats. It's really remarkable to see how excited people are to get back together, to do retreats, to be together in community again after a year and a half, or if you've just been behind all these digital platforms and such. So we need to be together. Check us out at faithinmarriage.org. Sign up for one of our upcoming marriage retreats. We'd love to be able to have you there and to see us and to see you. And uh, God bless. All right, let's get back to this conversation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of like, so we can we can put the. I don't remember we're going to go into this conversation, but this is good. I mean, like if if we put if we can just shelve for a second the debate about communion, you know, mm-hmm. I think we can mm-hmm. still have a broader conversation about people coming in, and in and, and I think sometimes sometimes we feel like we have to get this sorted out first before we can kind of move into just kind of well, can we still welcome people? You know, and the answer is yeah, we can. And so, what does that look like then? If 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 we can't give communion because people aren't full communion with the church, let's say if somebody who's thinking about converting to the faith, we would obviously wait until they've received the sacraments of initiation. But we would still love for those individuals, just like anybody who's an RCA, to go to mass and to begin participating to whatever degree that they can participate, and to feel like they're still belonging again to this, and finding other ways then. Because worship is central. It, again, we say the source and summit in that it's both. You know, it is it is the pinnacle, but it's also the means upon which that we achieve the pinnacle. And so, so there is. So I know there needs to be some conversation, and, and I'm not discrediting the need for the conversation with regards to to who should and who shouldn't receive communion. I'm not a theologian, so I've I, me I, either, I, me so, so I, I'm just yeah. out of my realm in that. That's the only reason why I'm why I'm punting on that is because I just I'm not a theologian, and, and, and I'm way out of my wheelhouse when, when we're thinking about it. But just at least the concept in terms of what we've been speaking about with regards to to models of ministry and. In, in looking and saying, okay, well then, how do we? Well, there are lots of ways that we can engage people, you know, whether it is something like Alpha or any other kind of parish-based renewal um, 
uh, system. But even just one of the examples that, that, that you guys give, I think it was an OSV pitch, um, if, I, if I read it right, and I thought it was a really effective example you guys used was the the, the couple coming into marriage, uh, marriage preparation. You know, that like, here's a couple who's coming to marriage preparation. And and I thought about this years ago. I think that's why I connected with it when I was working for Diocese mm-hmm. of Marriage Family Life. I was like, do we have a database of all these couples? Can we like not send them a card from the diocese six months later just to say, hey, how's it going? And if it's going well, can we you know reconnect? And they're like, I don't know. We don't know where all this. I was like, well, we need to figure this out, you know, because- we any you can create Mailchimp's. Anybody has like you said, even if Gap, who has a million users or millions of users, you know, that enter their store or are on their 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 email list, if they can keep track of everybody's birth dates, then I think a diocese could do that with the few hundred people that come through, you know, for marriage preparation, just keeping track of when people are getting married. And so it's it's simple things like that. I think that's what we're speaking about is in terms mm-hmm. of saying like, great, thank you for coming and getting married, and now. Now we want you to to stay engaged. Here's a follow-up email that we can send. All these things can be auto-generated and saying, okay, we want you to be reconnected with the parish. Here's the mass times. If you haven't been to church since you got married, hey, come back. Um, and, uh, and, and get to the year anniversary. Hey, congratulations. I hope it's been a great year. And if you haven't, why don't you set up a time with father? We would love for you to come reconnect and, and have a meeting and, and, and have some conversation about how things have been going for you. These are all the things that, that, that can still be done without even having to necessarily address, which again is needed, the debate is needed about who should and should receive communion, but there's still other things that can be done um, even if the, that question isn't, isn't, isn't solidified just yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, somebody listening to you might say, okay, you're just telling me to work harder again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, um, like if we're talking about brand and like kind of trying all these things together, it's like, I do think that there's effort in building the kingdom of God, you know, like and <laughs> yeah. building up, you know, so I don't want to say it's not work harder, but technology does a lot of things. Well, you know, it technology does. doesn't forget birthdays. Technology, you know, can be automated. And so what we're building is a system that helps with all those things oriented in the right direction. So that when somebody like people evangelize people, you know, like that's a principle, but how we actually orient technology to facilitate that people, you know, evangelizing a person being in relationship with them. There's a lot that we can embrace. There's a lot that we can embrace that can move the needle. And, and then I think it's about saying, Oh, okay. Like how we message, what our tone and our language, like these are all brand concepts, but they make a difference. How we speak tells people if we should, if, you know, if they're judging us or if we should trust them or if they're kind or, all those kinds of things are, you know, uh, you know, uh, out of the heart, uh, sorry, out of the mouth flows. Um, um, I'm butchering the verse, but. You're fine. Uh, I don't even know. Again, not a theologian. So, <laughs> We're all uh, good. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Nobody's going to judge anyways. It's okay. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So it's like how we talk how we orient our things and, and a clarity of like what we're actually trying to do. And at the heart of where we're talking about ministry journeys, you talk, you, you said earlier, like what, what are we actually trying to quote unquote sell or get people to buy into? It's, it's that there's freedom is available mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, I am, I'm the way, the truth and the life is what Jesus says. And like, I think that that is available. John 10, 10 says like life abundant. And, yeah. um, and I think that, all those things are tr- 
true and they do take effort. You know, I think that there is sacrifice. There's, you know, the Beatitudes and laying our lives down for, for people. Um, but we do, it, it could, it can feel overwhelming, but I think that rethinking through technology uh, as um, a part of the world, like if, I, if I'm a betting man, I'm guessing that technology is only going to become more integrated into our lives for right. better or for worse. And so how do we embrace the digital continent that Pope Benedict was talking about? Well, I mean, when you're talking about like the need, you know, for freedom, it's not like that need goes away. You know, it's not like that needs going to be replaced by some new technology. Like you don't see VCR commercials anymore. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not seeing Sony marketing a Walkman anymore. You know why? Because those technologies just don't exist. The need for the latest, greatest cassette player isn't happening because that technology doesn't exist. So the need for it doesn't exist anymore because we moved on. But it's not like the fundamental needs of the human heart have gone away or have fundamentally changed in the last 20 years or 50 years or 1,000 years or 2,000 years for the matter. They haven't. They're the same. It's still there. We're still human. And those deeper questions are still are still within each of us. And so the the opportunity to rebrand um, is always there. I mean, it's it's always there because the need is always there. You don't have to go fabricate. That's how every commercial always starts. You know, it's like some mop commercial, somebody spills something like, oh no, you've spilled something. What are you going to do? You know, oh, I know what you're going to do. You're going to use this mop that does it better than everybody else. And so in a 30 second commercial, they all have the same more or less gimmick. Here's the problem. Here's how we solve the problem. And here's how we solve the problem better than anybody else does. And, and so like- if Bounty can figure that out, <laughs> like I'm not trying to be funny here, but like yeah, there's yeah. something more that we can use. We can, we could use this language to some degree. Um, I've been impressed with, with the work of Donald Miller, um, who is, mm. I don't know if you follow his stuff. Yeah, he's, story he's, yeah, story brand. You got it. That's right. And so for those who don't know his work, it, it basically, he takes companies on, on a, on a journey. He, he was, a. Uh, uh, kind of came from Hollywood and was a script writer and, and wrote novels. I think he wrote the book uh, Blue Like Jazz and other other things that he was really captivated with with the power of story and saying, okay, how do we communicate with the basic arcs or points of a, of a good story and translating that into a marketing message? And one of the things that he said that I think is really great is that when it comes to companies, like you don't want to sell yourself as the hero because you want to sell yourself as as the wise man, as the guide, as the Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. If we're looking at every story as kind of like a hero's journey, you want your customers to feel like they're the hero and you're the guide who's going to help them achieve the end that they're seeking. So whether it's weight loss, whether it's being fit, look at Nike, exactly, right? You want to get fit? We have what you need. You know, you're the hero of the story. You just do it. You're the one who's just going to who's going to just do it. You go accomplish that help, you know, we want to go along on the ride with you as you go accomplish your goals. Like any brand that works well ha- captures that type of message. And again, we go back to like the church. It's not like the church has, is the ultimate wise man. Like Jesus is, as you said, is the way, the truth and the life. I mean, like he, like you, you want to live a better life. That's everybody wants to live a better life. You want a bit to live a better life. Then come, come, come to the, the waters, you know, of ever living life that, that, that God has for us. But somehow, I don't know, you just, and I know people try and I'm not trying to bash anybody, but it just, and we just seem, seem to have, have lost it, or at least we're not using the, the, the latest, um, um, uh, yeah, opportunities, uh, that, 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 or, that we could be using. 
I, I do I do think there's like a little bit more to it as well. Give you it know, to like me. I don't want to just say, hey, like yeah. there can be a best of the old model mentality too. Hey, if we just do things better, you know, like things are going to change. I don't actually think that's true. Um, in our case, like Timothy Keller, which is this prominent evangelical pastor, you know, um, very, you know, he's wrote a lot of, a lot of books, like thoughtful man, he's got an essay on, um, the, what the dynamics in the West are right now. And he says, Hey, the, the ministry model that was very effective for say the last 50, you know, hundred years, whatever, um, in our culture, people had dots, you know, these Christian dots within ourselves because Christendom was, you know, still around and like we understood sin and good and evil and, and all those kinds of stuff. And so great ministry was just about um, helping people connect those dots. But I think like the problem that people creating their own meaning, what the problem that that creates is that those dots aren't there anymore. Hmm. Um, and so there's no reference point anymore is what you're saying no there's, there's, no there's, there's no there's no dots even to kind of trace something there's nothing that's even there to, to hold on to is that what you're saying ministry is no longer about trying to connect the connect those dots it's actually about trying to form those dots within people now so you think of um but hmm. what you're seeing like with donald miller is like you know the truth is that we are wired for narrative and our our modern culture is living a narrative that um is not how we are made as people you know right. and the the opportunity there is that the way we think about like the way we think about lives at some point a bad understanding of who we are means it's like wearing a suit that's too small and as we start to move it's uncomfortable and at times it's going to rip you know, mm-hmm. and we, we know that's true in the lives of people, you more than most in, in, in your, in your expertise. So what the church needs to do is actually find ways to say, Hey, you've heard that this is true, that you have to define your own reality and, and live that, but you feel that it's not true here, 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 and here. And here's why. And here's the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think the stories we tell shouldn't be like, hey, come here and adopt my language. The New Testament was not written to be to develop a, an exclusive set of language. It was actually adopting the terms of the time, like the example of the word gospel, even. Mm-hmm. Um, Caesar. Right. Caesar, what do you yeah, use right. the term Good gospel? news. That's right. Yeah. And, and we're just Christianity, like coupled that with a new meaning and reinterpreted it. But mm-hmm. right now, like we can go into any mainline church or evangelical or um, Catholic and we can kind of, Hey, we're Christian. And if we had to play a game just by talking with each other, we'd kind of be able to peg people in different camps. We know that, Oh, you know, I, I don't, I think language has kind of separated us. So stories, language, all these kinds of things. Um, but we need to go to where people are finding their hearts drawn to. So let's take the example of sports and what we want to do with Tilma, you know, this is a little bit, um, it's a little You're bit fine. early to, share this, but I'm going to share it with you. It's like, Oh, great. We want to do a story of, um, a series that's the gospel is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the first articles I want to write, uh, or videos that we want to produce is, uh, how Roger Federer reminds me of Jesus. So <laughs> are, you, are you a tennis fan or do you know who Roger mm-hmm. Federer is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure. So, and, and then I can unpack, Hey, you know, uh, 
if you've watched him for long enough, you understand that there is, and I use this term like, like godlike moments where you see him trapped in a point where his opponent has him dominated or seemingly dominated. And then he'll run back, you know, and hit, return it, you know, through his legs. But it's not just a return. It's an absolute winner. Mm-hmm. And why does that inspire me? It's because I think it's Christ-like in the sense of we, if we, if we look at the story of uh, the woman caught in adultery, like, man, that's a tough situation. That is, you are behind in the point where people come and they say, hey, you know, should we stone her? And it's like, there's so much context to that situation that they're bringing in and all that kind of stuff. And he has this amazing winner. He's like, mm. whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Mm. And then people, you know, people leave, you know? He, he, and I think that, wow, you know, like, Jesus is to life what Roger Federer is to tennis is an amazing yeah. analogy for people to kind of like enter in and go, Oh, like I haven't even thought about Jesus that way. Um, we've been watching the chosen too. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that. And it's just, yeah, yeah we have, we're, we're five episodes into the first season. We haven't, we're, we're, we're slow adopters to it. So, but yeah, we're watching yeah, it, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah. I know how the story I, ends, so it's okay. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> but I, I just think overall, like, you know, it's, at some point, you know, a super critical eye, you you can like lose the story a little bit, but the heart of how they're approaching that story is like um, the last two episodes that, you know, I cried and I don't cry and stuff very often, mm-hmm. but I just, you know, I just felt connected <laughs> and I can see, imagine you're not a Christian and you're watching it. You're going to, you're going to feel closer to Jesus, whether you think he's your Lord and Savior or not is, you know, irrelevant, but I can see them moving to a crucifixion scene and you're just going to be like, oh, wow. It's going to be okay. awful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gonna be awful and i'm gonna weep and it's gonna yeah. be like but you can see like this the power of story and reshaping a narrative and going where people are at is super powerful that's um, it that's exactly it i mean i think that that's that nails down because back to the jeff bezos quote that you threw out at the beginning of our of our episode it's really a question of narrative who controls the narrative about about your about your brand about your product and and the narrative has been so negative, again, with regards to the church and to Christ. And for some of it, for the right reason, as we articulated, for some of it, unjustified. For some of it, it's been it's been there. But the, the, the truth still remains, whatever narrative people spin about it. And so how do we, again, reclaim that narrative, that power of story? And this is exactly what I think Dallas Jenkins is doing such a wonderful job with, with, with The Chosen. I'm, I'm not a big fan usually of Christian media. I will say that um, because, because I don't mean to slam anybody, but, but I've watched, it took me, it took a few people to convince me to watch the chosen. Let me say it that way. You know, it's because I've been resistant because I just haven't found the depth in the storytelling. Um, like I found in secular media to be perfectly honest. And so I've had a couple of people be like, no, Mario, like just watch it. Like you're going to like it. Trust me. And so we, we we're, we're, we're on board. We're watching as a family. It's beautiful. But again, it's, it's, it's again, speaks to this. We said, we're, we're storytelling, we're storytelling species, which is why like so many of the movies are the things that, that end up moving the culture in one direction or the other. And so many movies, that's what we have to be smart consumers of what we watch and sit down with our kids to talk about what the narratives are that films are communicating, uh, because, because stories are used 
artistically for sure, but are used also to convey a morality, to convey a teaching. And we have to be cautious about what those teachings are that are being communicated within these stories. Um, and some of them are great. Some of them are good. I, we watch movies all the time. And um, everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a, I'm a huge movie fan. Um, and so just but being cautious about that, but, but taking that sense of narrative driven, of story driven, and applying that to the messages about the church, about our parishes, about our dioceses, about our ministries. This is how we as an X can accompany you on the journey of Y, whatever it is, whatever your particular focus is, having those stories ready to go to get people to feel connected, to feel um, like they're like yeah, like they're like they're like there's something about them that becomes revealed to themselves when they watch these films. When you watch a good movie, there's something about yourself that 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 you understand more when you read a good book. Um, and we can adopt that that sense of narrative driven, story driven language um, within the, the the overall message of of what the church is. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's powerful because I I actually think that you know if we if we're mapping out a totally new model. It's not, it's, of course, it's about having, you know, a good understanding of what I should watch and what I shouldn't watch. But I actually think that we're going to see stories happen all over the place. It's not that I'm going to say to my kids, hey, never watch movies, you know, mm -hmm. if they're not made by Christians. Yeah. Um, I think it's about saying the new model trains, you know, like catechizes our kids to have media literacy, that they can understand the power of story and where the story is kind of breaking you know, in their hearts, right? And where the story is like shaping their minds that's not true to how they were made. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's like, oh, we can, we can like limit the, we can limit the internet or, um, and, or we can say we're never going to go on the internet. And of course there's different ages and stages of this or whatever, but correct. My, correct. my, my, my oldest only nine. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'm shooting for and why I'm trying to think through this new model so critically is that when she's, I got a decade left with her, you know, mm -hmm. when she's you know, maybe less, when she leaves my roof, what I want to do is I want to hug her the day she moves out with the confidence that she can go into this world that is, you know, shaped against the truth of who she is. Mm-hmm but that she has all the power to follow her heart, which, which will lead to like, again, freedom. Like mm -hmm. that isn't, isn't that like what it's all about? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, that, and that's going to, and that's going to be shaped by experiences. It's going to be shaped by predominantly um, of my wife and I, where right. uh, the love that we have for her is going to represent God. And I feel like this is, again, it's the right ordering of relationships, you know, according to the kingdom. And that's what the new model is all about. And we just, we really need great tools in order to do that well. We need people creating more chosen. We need people like telling great stories that resonate in our hearts that are done really, really well. Um, not for the sake of entertainment, but for the sake of like transformation mm -hmm. and helping, you know, we need a certain amount of excellence in order to maintain attention. And then what we do with that attention matters. Yeah. That's, that's well said. That's awesome. Well, how, how has this impacted your, your work, you know, in terms of your CEO and you manage a team. And when you think about building this new model of ministry, you talk about certainly with your wife and your kids and, you know, at home, but how does this impact yourself 
you know, because I'm sure you've done a lot of research, obviously, as you put Tilma together and even over the years of doing Glass Canvas. How has this this newfound desire impacted you and in, in the way that you lead your team? This is going to be a little bit off script, but I actually think God has formed within us some of these principles. Like he's, he's really gifted us. Like we have, um, we have a bunch of, you know, we have like our core principles or core values on our wall. Sure. One of them is see the whole person. And so mm-hmm. understanding that when, if we're not able to, the, the reason we believe in them so much is that if we're not able to embody the new model and how we work together as a team trying to build the kingdom, then we've lost the point completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so culture for us here is super, super important and how we treat each other is super, super important. Um, uh, it, there's this quote that I love about like the, the Lord roams the earth looking for those he can entrust with his power. And I desperately want to be somebody who Jesus can entrust with his power because I want to build a kingdom for him. And that starts with how we work as a team here. It starts with how I live my life at home. It starts with how hard I'm chasing freedom on a personal level um, and where that's, where that's breaking down and what I'm doing. You know, it's, it's okay to fail. You know, uh, I don't feel like I have to be perfect. Um, you know, I have kind and, you know, I'm curious and compassionate with myself too, which is something I've had to, mm-hmm. had to learn. Um, but those are the things that are actually making the difference in, in how we build the product is saying it's not, it's not good enough that the tool just works. It actually has to draw somebody in and, and I, you know, truth, beauty, goodness, like we've heard those terms, but it, it has to be those things at the, at the core and they're more than just good design. Mm-hmm. They are em- empathy. They are, um, understanding their compassion. They are, uh, Again, it's that like we're the friends of the paralytic and we are fighting every way we can to get into um, to help people encounter Jesus. So and, and it starts it starts with me. You know, I build kingdom more profoundly in my home than I can ever go out out there in the world and build it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what's a win for you when with Tilma? What's a win? You know, uh, if I imagine like what a Tilma parish is in three to five years after adopting Mm it, I think it's a parish that becomes irresistible. So what does that look like when a parish is irresistible? And, you know, it's kind of, we kind of, same things. I think they're like almost to the degree of platitudes, but it's relationship. It's somebody's drawn into, man, I want what that person has. Um, And so I think it's about, people feeling loved and cared for in a parish and a parish like parish people like ministry people feeling like they have the confidence that people aren't going to fall through the cracks and that they're going to feel known. They're going to feel loved. They're going to feel seen. They're going to feel understood, cared for. And that the trust from all those things just skyrockets through the roof um, so that we can, you know, start transforming lives into, you know, lived out in freedom. So how do people feel loved and connected and cared for? Yeah. All the things you talked about to make it an irresistible parish. Yeah. I I think that there's a big difference between um, having an open door and uh, feeling like something's made just for you. And so what technology can do really well is say, Hey, you know, 
what are we creating a piece of content for as an example, or who are we creating a piece of content for to go into a brand as like right. a persona or something like that and saying, what is a young your ICA? Man, who's your, who's your ICA, right? Yeah. Your ideal customer avatar. That's always what you ask when you're, when you're writing something. Yeah. And, um, here's, here's the classic experience. You, you got the bulletin, right? And, right. uh, 90% of the things, maybe 100% of the things are irrelevant to, to what you need. Um, so the learned behavior of interaction from a branding perspective is like, this is, doesn't, this is irrelevant, this is irrelevant, this is irrelevant, this is irrelevant, right? But there might actually be something that's really relevant for you on there. Right. But this is irrelevant, this is irrelevant. Like you're not going to break that pattern. So what we have to do is actually start putting opportunities in front of people like really, you know, solid um, like a retreat experience or a content experience or a relational experience where it's designed just for you. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there is a big difference between, Hey, the door's open versus designed just for you. And I think that, yeah, that is, that is powerful. You know? So you're saying, hold on. Uh, so like, let's say for example, like emails, right? So if you're saying yeah. you can divvy up by demographics in your parish who's older, who's uh, younger, who's kind of middle age, and then divvying up what gets to the top of that based on the demographic needs of, of the person? Yeah, absolutely. So the power of having all of the things in, in the same platform, so email, giving, your people database, events and registration, and your website and your content gives you the ability to see people better. So if mm-hmm. I say, hey, Sort, you know, sort in the database. This is a kind of a little bit nerdy and marky, but like sort in the database. Like who are men um, between the ages of 30 and 40 who have kids um, that are younger than 10 years old? I'm just kind of trying to pick, pick my own mm-hmm. demographic. Yeah. <laughs> then we can actually say, well, we have an amazing uh, uh, program or opportunity just for them then I can actually write that email. I can select that in the database. I can write an email that's geared specifically for them. And I know that it's way more likely to be effective than just blasting that out to everyone in the parish. And having all those tools in the same place mean that there is way more specific opportunity for that to happen. I mean, that's what Facebook does, right? With advertising, going back to that. It's just taking the same, that same approach and just applying it towards the gospel. I mean, there's a reason why my ads look different than your ads because Facebook has a, a profile of what I've clicked on and which images I've hovered over and which ones I've actually, links I've actually clicked on to then generate and sell that data to companies uh, so that they can bit, get ads in front of my face. So it's a similar thing where you're saying like, okay, if we have this for example, uh, let's say we're going to do a parish mission that's coming in and uh, we know that the speaker is, is really young and dynamic and we want to make sure that it's uh, geared towards young people. Then we set a, you can set a specific email that's geared towards them because you have all that information in one place. Um, versus then if you're going to do something for, let's say we have the 25th wedding anniversary that we want to celebrate or the 50th wedding anniversary, those things are coming up at the parish. We want to send a specific invitation to those couples. And you can do that because you have the information and that, that email is going to look different than something that you're going to send, uh, for, um, yeah, I mean, some of the other younger offerings that are happening. And so having that type of precision, um, 
because it's a being about relationship. If, if we're looking at it only as being salesy, then it's a, then it's a manipulation of that data. But if it's a, but if it's about relationship, then it's a utilization of that data in a more effective way, rather than just having a general weekly bulletin that has information for a little bit of information for everybody. But like you said, you don't really know which of that information is geared towards me. We know there's just a little bit for everybody. And so I spend a lot of time thumbing through it, or I don't spend any time thumbing through it at all, because the little bit that's there for me isn't worth the three pages that isn't there for me. And so trying to tailor what people see, what people become aware of, to be a little bit more effective in how we get people, you know, again, connected and in, in, in relationship with the parish. Yeah. Re- relevancy is key to ministry. And, you know, uh, and it's not, it's not that some of the current tools can't do these things, mm-hmm. but the problem is it's a, it's a big game of import export, right? So having them all in the same place and seeing those, these unique combination of things, um, all in one place means that you can see the whole person and it means that you can then say, Oh, um, like you're not importing like the email list from here or like the group of people that registered on this other tool here or, or things like that. So the, the power of, uh, relevant communication, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see how the church continues to, to kind of dive into that and, and do more of it. Um, and then over time, I think that there's a degree of consistency and a little bit of patience. And I think, you know, we can nudge people like over time too. We don't have to, the temptation is to go, Hey, we're going to throw down the gauntlet and everyone's got to do this like right away. No, we can nudge into this and we can ease into this and churches can like transition into this model over time and see. And I think it's addicting to see when it works. You know, mm-hmm. when you, when you, when you start your podcast, you're like, Hey, that's great. And like, but how do we get people so listen, how do I find the right people who are going to engage in my content and things like that? And as you kind of find out like, oh, brand, brand like helps people do that, you know? And uh, it's, I think the church can start to, to really love it. And I think that there are great ministry people out there already. That's right. Who are just craving for tools that help them. Well, I, what I love work. about it, again, just even thinking about making the offerings of the parish super relevant is, again, you go on Amazon, you look up a few things, you're going to get an email the next day saying, Hey, by the way, based on your browsing history, we're going to recommend X, Y, and Z to you, you know? And so it's all, it's all algorithms. It's all auto-generated. But if there is some intentionality where you say, okay, you can kind of divvy up certain, certain demographics within your parish, then like we said, you can send those emails that are relevant again, that, that are specific to, 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 to those people. And that makes them feel more connected, um, more involved that, Hey, there's something, there's something at this place for me. And that question again is, it's not to be ego driven, but, but there is, I mean, we're all trying to figure out, well, what, what's in it for me? You know, again, not, not a, that, that can be a real negative, but to some degree, like that's what the church is competing with. It's like, well, what, how does, how does the parish relevant to, to a 20 single 25 year old? I mean, like, we don't have an answer for that anymore. <laughs> like, because single 25 year olds, like you said, most of them are, are, are losing their faith and they don't see the church as being something relevant. They may see kickball as something more relevant than, than, you know, or, or a basketball game or, or a Peloton. Peloton's a great example, you know, that because it's building community and, uh, and has a sense of kind of kinship or whatever, something bigger than yourself. So, so, you're right. The church is competing with Peloton, you know, with, with these people, but, but there's ways that we can utilize the same strategies, um, to be able to say, 
No, but this is even more relevant. Like, yes, it's great that you do your exercise. Yes, it's great that you have community at some at some rec league. Yes, it's awesome that you're able to get your fitness on, you know, doing Peloton. But I'm telling you, like, there's still something more profound that the church offers that none of those things can offer. And while those things are great, they're phenomenal, they're not gonna come close to 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 getting you towards the life that you desire um, than what we can offer. And what we can offer is the same thing we've been offering for 2000 years. And so we have to be reconnected to all of this. And uh, and I just think it's it's exciting to think about these tools because they're just tools. At the end of the day, a tool is as good as the person who uses them. You know, like I can't play the organ. I can barely play the guitar. You know, I, 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 I can strum, I can strum the heck out of a guitar, but I can't do anything else with it, you know, but, uh, but man, somebody who knows how to make a guitar dance, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Like I said, Roger Federer, same thing. Watching these guys, what they can do, these professional athletes, Steph Curry, what he could do with the basketball, man, it's like, I, it's not even, it's not even the same thing I do like in the driveway with my kids because they have such skill that they're able to use these things. And so similar here, like we recognize that these tools are there, uh, they're, they're, they're for people to use, um, but, uh, but, but people got to get engaged with them, you know, and, um, and not everybody will, and that's okay. And, and, and here's the thing too, like I, there are many amazing ministry people and part of the philosophy behind Tillman is like, yeah, let's connect it. We don't have to do this alone. In fact, that was never Jesus' intention. Like for us to figure out, oh, this this person's amazing. Like let them go do everything. It's well, how can I how can I use what they're doing in a great way? And so, content is an example. We're not all called to like create amazing, phenomenal content, but we don't have a system or an infrastructure where that content can be shared and like put into an email super easily. And until Toma, you know. <laughs> but um, but and I also think it's like. We also need to learn to share or what we call co-innovate with each other. So Tillman is actually built on a platform where if you and your neighboring parish or, you know, another a priest to priest have a great relationship or a parish community, parish community, say one of those parish communities is having an amazing event. They can actually market that event on the other parish or the whole, all the neighboring parishes. They can say in the system. That's sacrilegious. You know that. That's like, we're, we're like, but when's it's right. like, I'm just joking. <laughs> grab, grab the stone, you know, like I'm ready. Um, uh, but, but yeah. And I think that, I mean, we're going to, we're going to face more pressure in our culture and we have to get smarter about how we share our resources. That's and the right. beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is like Gen Z doesn't see the world in the same way that millennials that don't see them in, in you know, Gen X and, and boomers, right? Like, um, Gen Z is global. And the one beautiful thing about Catholicism is it's actually maps globally. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and what I mean by that is like, look, if I go to Mexico, I, I, I go to mass there, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I feel, I feel connected to my faith. Um, that's, that's unique. It's a unique property, um, versus other faith traditions. Like you just plug up, you know, unplug for that community, move over to the next community and plug in. Um, but Gen Z, they're consuming, as an example, content from all over the world. They don't think only in local terms. They seamlessly think universally more than any generation that's ever, ever been. Right. And the beautiful thing about uh, Catholicism and mapping technology over that system is that we have power to, uh, to reach Gen Z, you know, or, or we have an infrastructure which to build on that as this evolves we're able to to do that and then to, to see them and to know them and understand them and invite them in so 
So there is hope. Yeah, we don't, and we don't have to do it alone. I and we don't have to the, do it alone. That's right. And I think that's that's the power of all of this is to not look at it as as these isolated things and and being able to really draw resources together and work together. Um, because I do believe, right? Everybody is. I mean, my hope is that most people who work for the church genuinely believe in the gospel. You know, <laughs> that's 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 a fair assumption. I hope you know most people yeah. who do. <laughs> Sounds like you don't believe that, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. I, I I would never say everybody, <laughs> but uh, but but uh, because I'm not that naive. Um, but you hope that most people who do take a church position for sure are in it for the right reasons, and um, and so again, it it is about at the end of the day, and I've said this before on the show. You know, at the end of the day, the, the church, the church operates her at her best when the wind is at her sails and when she's outward focused. When the church becomes self-referential, it, the system falls apart, and it's literally like turning the sails backwards or turning it inwards, and it doesn't move anymore. It won't go anywhere um, by design. It shouldn't, and it actually shouldn't go anywhere because that's not the way that it's designed to go. It's only like an airplane only flies when it's moving. As soon as an airplane stops stops moving, it it, it falls because it needs that wind underneath the wings to to actually give the lift that's required. Um, and so the church is the exact, it's the exact same principle. And, uh, and so I'm, that's what I'm grateful. You know, here we are having this conversation about Tilma. We've talked about Tilma just a little bit, but we've been in and out about kind of these larger things and, um, and just want to try to hopefully offer people kind of good services that, that are there that may not be aware of it. So Jason, it's, it's been a joy having you on the podcast, man. Uh, kind of final questions here as we're kind of bringing this thing to a close. If people are interested in Tilma or Glass Canvas, um, how can they get a hold of you? How can they learn more about, about this software? Yeah, so the best place to go is go to tilmaparish.com. And we, we would just really love to give people demos. You know, we learn so much about the people on the other side of this that ultimately that's who we're trying to serve. So spending a little bit of time with us and doing a demo is such a gift to us. Um, yeah, so you can visit tilmaparish.com and, and sign up for a demo and, and just check us out. Awesome. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so anybody can access that rather easily. And uh, Jason Jensen, final question. Ask all my first time guests, what gives you hope? Uh, I mean, the right answer to all these questions is Jesus. But I, I have a privileged position of being able to see like a lot of different ministries across a lot of different spheres. And I see the, a beautiful thing happening. Like, you know, we've worked with Sisters of Life. We worked with uh, Focus, St. Paul's Outreach, um, uh, Diocese, you know, East and West Coast and, and all sorts of ministries like that. And what I see is that the Lord is doing something and um, he's preparing his people uh, for something great. And it, it, all it takes is a yes from us. Amen. That's all it takes. That, I mean, that that is absolutely a very true statement. You know, it's, it's taking a yes. And so... Um, yeah. Amen. Wonderful. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a, a sincere pleasure. God bless you and all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging in there with us. I, I'm just always intrigued by the people I get an opportunity to interview and, and how people are constantly thinking about 
kind of the problems of the church and, and again, not just the church, but of the world and, and how we can really solve these problems using the good that is available to us. So, so many blessings to Jason Jensen and his team at Glass Canvas as they continue to, to uh, innovate um, and, and thinking about some creative solutions uh, to some of these problems that, that we're experiencing. So if you like the show, well, you know what I'm going to say, uh, hit subscribe. Don't miss future episodes. We got new episodes coming every other week. If you want to catch up with some past episodes, man, we got some really good ones in the can there for you. So go ahead and check those out. Uh, but man, I would love to hear your comments. Please leave some comments on Apple Podcasts or directly on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Again, you can find me there. I respond to everybody's comments. And uh, just always grateful for the conversation that happens. So many blessings to you. I pray that this episode found you in a good place, uh, uplifted you in some way. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you and be good.